Good morning. I want to welcome you on this Mother's Day morning. Certainly the most unusual Mother's Day that I can remember, the most unusual Mother's Day that uh, I can think we've ever had at this church, that I continue to preach to an empty auditorium and you are all continuing to watch uh, by way of video. However, I do want this to be a special day for our moms. And so what I'm going to do this morning, it's kind of twofold. I'm going to continue in my series on the Gospel of John, but I'm going to use the passage for our moms. I'll explain the passage, then kind of really apply it to our mothers. Of course, it will apply to all of us, um, but this ended up being a very good passage to use for Mother's Day. If you're visiting with us this morning by way of video, if it's the first time um, you're watching, I am preaching through the Gospel of John. And this morning we find ourselves at John chapter 2, the Gospel of John chapter 2, and verses 23 through 25. I'm going to read the passage, and then we'll get into it this morning. This is what we read. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. There are going to be two points this morning uh, in this sermon. The first is a sobering passage, and the second is a comforting passage. So it is a sobering passage, and simultaneously it is a comforting passage. Our first point is a sobering passage. The Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes an attribute of Jesus that all of us need to understand. And that attribute is his omniscience. Jesus knows everything about everything. That's what omniscience means. Jesus is God, therefore he is omniscient, and Jesus knows everything about everything. Specific to this passage, Jesus knows everything about every one of us. He knows everything about me. He knows what I'm thinking right now. He knows what my motives are right now. He knows everything about you, wherever you're sitting right now. Whatever you're doing right now, he knows your thoughts, he knows your motives, he knows your attitude this morning. He knows everything about you. Well, in this particular passage, in verse 23, as I just read, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. Now we know that he's at the Passover feast. If you've been with us the last two weeks in a row, we've been looking at Jesus at the Passover feast in Jerusalem. Two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus cleansing the temple. Last week, we looked at Jesus responding to the Jews who were angry that he had cleansed the temple. So it says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Jesus continued to do miracles while he was there. And it says many, notice that, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Now you read that verse and you think, hey, so far so good. 
This is a good thing. But then this passage takes a dramatic turn. All of a sudden, the whole mood, the whole tense of the passage turns on a dime. And it says, but Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Well, within verses 24 and 25, there are three big thoughts. The first is this. Jesus did not entrust himself to them. That has a shock value to it when you first read through it. Many believed in his name, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them. The translation here from the original language is very literal here in the English Standard Version. It literally means he did not trust himself to them. And here's what it means. I'm going to be very blunt with you this morning. It means even though they believed in his name, even though these people believed in him, he did not become their savior and he did not enter into a relationship with them. Okay, let me say that again because it's important to the whole rest of the, the message this morning. Even though they believed in his name, he didn't become their savior and he didn't enter into a relationship with them. Why? Why didn't he enter into a relationship with them? Why didn't he become their savior? Well, that's the second major thought here, and that is because Jesus knows all people. He knew everything about them. Jesus knows everything about every person, everywhere. And so he knew what was in their hearts. He knew, and I want you to hang on to this, and we'll look at this more in just a few minutes. He knew that their faith was not a genuine faith. He knew that they were really not trusting him as Savior. Well, that brings up the third major thought within these three verses, or excuse me, within these two verses, verses 24 and 25. Jesus doesn't need additional information about people because he knows what's in every person. Okay, Jesus doesn't need someone to give him more information about people because he knows everything about them. Jesus doesn't read, need to read a book or a manual about people. Jesus doesn't need to go to a seminar or a conference on people. Jesus doesn't need to watch a YouTube video to find out more about what people are like. He doesn't need additional information because he knows what is in the heart of every man and every woman. He knows them perfectly. This is actually an important doctrine in the Christian faith. A doctrine, if you're not familiar with that word, is an essential teaching in the Christian faith. We call that an, a doctrine. John Piper writes this, So the doctrine we may draw from this is that Jesus knows all about all people. No person is excluded from his knowledge, and no part of our life is excluded from his knowledge. He knows everybody and everything about everybody. I just want to let you have you let that sink in this morning. He knows everybody and everything about everybody. I want you to do something for me this morning. I want you to think about the most brilliant person 
you've ever known or known about. Maybe it was a college professor. Maybe it was someone you actually knew. Maybe it was someone that you've read about in history or you read about in a book. They were a genius. They had a photographic mind. They just had this great knowledge that the average person just doesn't have. And I just want you to know this morning that Jesus is infinitely more knowledgeable than that person. Jesus is infinitely more knowledgeable than that person. You know, when I think about a person who had a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom, I think about Solomon in the Old Testament. In 1 Kings chapter 10, there's this wonderful story that some of you might be familiar with where the Queen of Sheba comes with her entourage and she comes to visit King Solomon. She's heard about his wisdom and his knowledge and about his wealth and she wants to see for herself. And so she said, when I heard about your wisdom and knowledge, I didn't believe it until I could come and see for myself. And now that I have seen and heard for myself, I know that I wasn't even told the half of it. She said, you have more knowledge and more wisdom than anyone I have ever known or known about. She says, how happy your people must be, how happy your officials must be to stand in your presence every day. And we read in that fascinating section in 1 Kings that people would come from all over, from all over the known world at that time, just to ask Solomon hard questions. And whatever they asked him, Solomon would be able to answer them. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus is infinitely more knowledgeable and infinitely wiser than even Solomon. Well, that brings us to the really sobering part of this passage. This passage teaches us that it's possible to have a wrong kind of faith in Jesus, a faith that doesn't save. I don't know about you, but that's a very sobering thought. It is possible for a person to have a wrong kind of faith in Jesus, a faith that doesn't save. Now, we know this from other passages of Scripture. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the final judgment. He's talking about the end of time. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you're familiar with that sermon of Jesus, found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes on to say, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? And Jesus says this, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. And we think, wow, there are going to be people in the end who will say to him, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. 
We cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. And you say, how can Jesus say that? You know how he could say it? Because he knows everybody. And he knows everything about everybody. He knows what's in our hearts. He'll know what is truly in their hearts. You see, Jesus knows for every one of us, for every one of us, whether or not we have genuinely believed in him for salvation or whether we acknowledge him for some selfish reason. Let me give you some examples to try to help us understand this. Sometimes people believe in Jesus because they want something from him. Let me give you an example. Let's say that a pastor is counseling a couple who are going through a marital struggle. And I'll pick on the man this morning. Let's say the man isn't a believer. He hasn't trusted Christ as Savior. And the pastor says to him, what you really need to do, sir, is you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. That's the first thing you need to do. And the man thinks, okay, if that's what it takes to save my marriage, I'll believe in Jesus. Never really acknowledges that he's a sinful person. Never really acknowledges his desperate need for a Savior. He just wants Jesus to fix his marriage. And let's understand this morning that true saving faith is a brokenness that says, I understand that I am a sinful person and there is nothing I can do to save myself. And I am going to trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus alone for my salvation. Only he can save me. But sometimes we believe, or some people believe in Jesus because they think he can fix something. They think he can fix their financial problem. They don't have a job, so I'll believe in Jesus, so maybe he'll get me a job. There's another way I think people falsely express faith in Jesus. Some people believe in Jesus because he's the latest thing they want to try. He's worth a try. In fact, if you're a little older, some of you may remember this, but um, there was a time when there was a slogan that was going around. Just give Jesus a try. That's what they would say to people. Just give Jesus a try. And by the way, that is a very bad way to share the gospel. And, and so there are people who were just kind of trying out Jesus. And, and that still happens. It does. Let's say, let me give you this example. Let's say that there is a young woman who's a student on a college campus, a university campus, and all her friends are going to this one campus ministry, and she thinks, well, it's good for my friends. I think I'll give it a try. I'll, I'll give Jesus a try. Or let's say there's a man, and he having some problems in his life, and he thinks, you know, I've tried everything else. Might as well try Jesus. See if that works. And so they kind of believe in Jesus like looking at a new car. You know, I'll, I'll take it for a test drive. Let's see if it works or not. Eh, if I like it, 
I'll keep it. If I don't, I won't. Kind of like trying on some pants. Oh, if they fit, okay. If not, I'll, I'll try something else. And that's how some people, I don't mean that to be funny or facetious. This is how some people approach Jesus. And I think it's very possible in this scene that we're reading about that people saw the signs that he was doing, the miracles that he was doing, and they were like, you know, maybe he can help me fix this problem. Maybe I'll give him a try. Whatever was in their heart, I, I know this. The Bible, the inspired word of God says, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them, and that's scary. Jesus did not become their savior. He did not enter into a relationship with them. And let it be a reminder to all of us as Christians this morning that we need to be careful how we present the gospel. The gospel is that you need to understand that you are a sinful person and there is nothing you can do to save yourself. Nothing. Salvation comes by trusting in the death and resurrection of Jesus alone for our salvation, believing that he died for our sins and in his resurrection overcame sin and death. So this is a sobering passage. That's our first point this morning. But our second point this morning is a comforting passage. So simultaneously we have this sobering passage and this comforting passage. And as I mentioned, that's our second point. And this is where I really want to share with our moms this morning. This is where I want to take this passage and really use it as an encouragement for all of our mothers this morning. Because moms, embedded in this passage at the end of John chapter 2 is some great comfort. Some great comfort for all of you. I want to take this kind of in two different ways. First, Mothers, Jesus knows everything about you, so don't try to be someone or something you're not. Jesus knows everything about you, so don't try to be something or someone or something you're not. I want to take a huge burden off your shoulders this morning, moms, and that is this. You don't have to pretend to be super mom who's got it all together. You don't have to do that because Jesus knows you're not. Okay? He knows you're not super mom, and he knows you don't have it all together. Maybe you feel this pressure that you've got to impress other mothers your age. Maybe you are carrying this burden that your children just to have to act perfectly wherever they go. And you have to convey to people that you are this really godly, good Christian mother and you're just in fear that someone might think otherwise. Moms, you don't have to do that. You don't. Jesus knows. He knows you're not a super mom. He knows you don't have it all together. He's there for you. He knows you are a sinful woman. He knows that you need him and he longs for you to come to him and to express your need for him, to fellowship with him. 
and to desire his guidance and wisdom in all that you do. To go along with that, moms, you don't have to be a controlling mother who tries to control every part of your husband's life and every part of your children's life. You don't have to do that because Jesus knows you're not in control. You know, sometimes I think there's this burden for mothers that they got to control the calendar and they got to know where their husband's at. They got to know where their children are at. And they got to know everything that they're doing and make sure that they have their hand on everything that they're doing. And oh, moms, if there is anything that this coronavirus has taught all of us, there are so many things we don't control. There are. Jesus knows that. He knows that. You need to trust him. Do you know what controlling is? In all of our lives, when we try to control, controlling is a lack of trust in Jesus. That's exactly what it is. And it's okay to let go and to really trust him, even when you can't control where they've gone or the circumstance that they're in. It's okay. Just trust him. Just trust him. And know this, moms. Jesus knows. He knows you perfectly. He knows whether you're trusting him or whether you're trying to do it all on your own. So, moms, Jesus knows everything about you. So don't try to be someone or something that you're not. Second thought to go along with that this morning. Mothers, Jesus knows everything about you. So take comfort in the fact that he knows your every fear, your every burden, and your every joy. Whatever you're experiencing right now, whatever you're feeling as a mother, he knows it. He not only knows it, he knows it perfectly. Moms, Jesus knows that you're afraid for your family in the midst of the coronavirus. He knows that. Maybe there are some of you moms this morning and you're afraid because of the virus. Maybe you're afraid for where your family goes and for what they do and for what they touch. Maybe it just strikes fear in your heart about even letting them go anywhere. Or maybe you have a different kind of fear. Maybe that's not your fear as a mom. Maybe your fear is that you just don't know when is this all going to end? It makes you afraid. When's this all going to end? When are we going to get back to normal? Will there ever again be such a thing as normal? Mom, whatever your fear is, Jesus knows. He knows everything about you and everything about your fears, and he is there to comfort you. He's there to hold you. He's there to be with you. Maybe this morning you're in a situation as a parent where you just feel like you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. You have some situation you don't know what to do and I want you to know that Jesus knows that you don't have all the answers as a parent. You don't. He knows that. 
And that's actually a good thing. Did you know that? It is a good thing not to have all the answers as a parent. You can read all the self-help books on parenting that you want. You can talk to all the people that you want. And I'm not saying there isn't any benefit in that. But ultimately, there are going to be things about parenting you don't know what to do or how to do. And that's a good thing because that means you have to trust Jesus. That means you have to pray to Jesus. That means you have to wrestle with Jesus. And that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Maybe this morning you've got a problem child. Maybe you've got a child that has some behavior problems or learning problems and you don't know what to do. Yes, it's, it's certainly good to seek help. Pray about it. Pray about it. Ask for his wisdom. Ask for his guidance. And maybe for some of you mothers this morning, your problem child isn't seven. Your problem child isn't 17. Your problem child is 37. Maybe you have an adult child who's making some poor life decisions. And you don't know what to do. He or she's 37 years old. What do I say? Where do I butt in? Where do I keep my distance? And I just want you to know Jesus knows all about that. Pray to him. Ask him for guidance. He cares. He cares deeply about what you are going through as a mother, no matter what age or ages your children may be at. Well, let me try to bring it all together this morning. Moms, Jesus knows that deep down, deep down, you desperately want to be a good wife and a good mother. And you desperately want to know that your husband loves you and your children love you. And if you're older, that your grandchildren love you. You just want that, and you want it so badly. Jesus knows that. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what you're longing for this morning. Go to him and trust him over and over again. In just a few minutes, our ensemble is going to sing our closing song. And the song I've chosen for this morning is uh, that song by Chris Tomlin, Lord, I Need You. And if you're familiar with the song, you'll know it's kind of a takeoff of an old hymn called I Need Thee Every Hour. I need thee every hour, every hour I need thee. And embedded within this song that they're going to sing is a wonderful prayer. A wonderful prayer for moms, a wonderful prayer for dads, a wonderful prayer for singles, a wonderful prayer for all of us. And that prayer is this. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Oh, let me tell you this morning, Jesus answers that prayer. So moms, take heart. Jesus knows everything about you. And that's a good thing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you on this Mother's Day, this unusual Mother's Day.
that you know everything about us. Yes, there is a sense in which that is a sobering thought. You know my thoughts. You know my heart, my attitude, my motives. Oh, Lord, cleanse me. Cleanse us as we come before you. And yet at the same time, that is such a comforting thought. Lord, sometimes we may feel like no one understands us. No one really knows what we're going through. But you do. You always do. So thank you that you know everything about us. In Jesus' name, amen.